Good morning, good day, and good evening. Welcome to the show. I'm as always your host, Brody Robson, and today we have the lead developer of Budgie on the show. Welcome, Joshua. How do, is it Strobel? Is that how I say your last name? I've only ever seen it written you, down. You, 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 you nailed it. Yes. Okay, perfect. Good. Yep. Before we get into anything actually important, I do want to say congratulations on the finished permanent uh, re- residency. Uh, yeah, there we go. You know, I I got close the, enough. The, the yes. For, uh, as a translator, Finnish permanent okay, residency. Um, there the we go. Finish. Yes, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. English is hard. Yeah, it's, it's one step. Yeah, one step forward. Uh, one step closer to Finnish citizenship. So, mm-hmm. yeah, very excited. That is really cool. Like, I, yeah. I'm sure there's there's plenty of reasons why you wanted to go over there. I don't know if you want to talk about any of that or not. Um, it is the most generic thing that people can imagine, which mm-hmm. is my wife is Finnish. So I, I, mo- I moved here for my love. <laughs> that you know? Uh, and I can respect that. I've been here since January of 2014. Mm-hmm. So almost almost a decade now. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. I have... I moved here when I was just young, a young boy. <laughs> I have left my state a couple of times and that's pretty much it i've never left the country <laughs> yeah well i mean to be fair it is australia and right, like, but like the size of one of your what this like the states there are like absolutely enormous sure, sure. so it's probably the size of like a european country or a couple or you know who knows yeah no that's level, fair depending on which ones you so. but no one lives here that's the that's the thing <laughs> There's right. a um, there's like population maps you can see of Australia where all of the population is around the coastline, the entire centre, yep. except for places like Alice Springs and a couple of other mining towns, completely empty. Um, but like I haven't even been to New Zealand or anywhere like that, or like Papua New Guinea. Um, hmm. I am very boring <laughs> in that regard. <laughs> Travel is something I would like yeah, to do. It's enough. just a matter of you know, it costs money. And that's a problem. Um, but that's a whole nother topic. Um, budgie. <laughs> yes. I, look, it's a I, thing. It is a thing. Yep. Um, I People guess... tend to forget it's a thing. <laughs> uh, it has a hilarious history, including about, I don't know, 5,000 different announcements of different toolkits being used. <laughs> um, I guess so, before we get you into know. that, um, briefly explain what budgie is now. We can get into the what yeah, it was yeah. before in a bit. Sure, yeah. So what Budgie is now mm-hmm. is we like to pitch it as sort of a, a modern desktop environment for, for end users that also provides a traditional look and feel, mm-hmm. uh, a traditional user metaphor. So, you know, you have a traditional bottom taskbar and we have niceties like Raven, all that. The current Budgie, so Budgie 10.x, is built on top of the GNOME stack. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is GNOME settings, daemon, mutter. Uh, well, <laughs> technically not mutter anymore. It's a soft fork of mutter called Magpie for now. Okay. Um, but uh, that, you know, GDK uh, and uh, GNOME volume control, which we use for some of the piping for sound devices and stuff. So okay. uh, lots of GNOME, GNOME bits. What is this uh, this magpie thing? I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, so oh boy, uh, every every six months or so, okay, the mutter developers will come out with a new version alongside the rest of the GNOME stack, right? 
And this is always going to be a different mutter ABI slash API. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes the changes are very simple and it might take a day's work to adjust budgie on top of it. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it's much more complex. So for example, with GNOME 44, not 45, but 44, mm -hmm. uh, they implemented some changes in Mutter that split off some of the X11 code, which as one would imagine, whenever X11 legacy code gets touched, there is a, a lot of regressions. Right. Um, right. And these regressions would affect Budgie, of course, because we use X11 at this moment in time. Um, and we decided, hey, uh, until we switch over to Wayland, mm -hmm. let's go ahead and soft fork mutter at GNOME 43, so before all these regressions happen. Okay. So you have two different tracks of Magpie at the moment. You have mainline, which is the soft fork of mutter, mm -hmm. um, and then you have our quote-unquote V1. And V1 mm -hmm. is the WL roots-based Wayland compositor. Okay. Oh, so that's the direction you're going with the Wayland side. Yes. So the the plan that we we announced is that we will be going Wayland only. So initially, when we we were making discussion, uh, we have we were having discussions in May of last year mm -hmm. on uh, where we wanted to take Budgie eleven and potentially Budgie ten, um, depending on on the life cycle of that. Uh, in, in terms of Wayland support, was we were going to have Wayland as the primary, mm -hmm. uh, and then we would have an X11 fallback. Okay. Uh, and we've just decided to go full Wayland because we also see the writing on the wall, um, especially given the layoffs at uh, Red Hat and shifts in priorities there. Uh, it's quite evident to see that development around Xorg server um, is is being reduced, and it just doesn't it just doesn't make any sense. When we're like one eight... way to put it. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's a very diplomatic way of putting it, I would say. I would um, say the only development that happens is in the context of X Wayland, but hey, that's just me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. People don't like so, to hear that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, and we're like, oh, okay, I guess it depends on the end user. And I recognize, you know, like color, color management and all that is still sure, a work sure. in progress. Um, but I would say, like, for most end users, Wayland will work perfectly fine, especially when you couple it with, you know, XCG desktop portals and Flatpak applications. Yeah. A lot of it does work um, without too much fussing around. It's just that remaining 25%. Um, and a lot of that's sort of the harder work. Or sometimes it's trying to standardize new Wayland protocols yeah. um, and standardizing in the Linux ecosystem is always really fun <laughs> um, and has no problems and conflicts of interest whatsoever. One and thing you I will definitely say don't is Budgie mm. seems to be very willing to work with other people. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like um, I, w I would say if I wasn't going to be using Budgie, I would mm -hmm. be using KDE mm -hmm. because I get along that well with KDE people. Uh, I think but Budgie people and KDE people jive mm -hmm. quite well because we both sort of have um, this perspective of user-focused customization and mm -hmm. personalization. And my approach is if you want to theme the hell out of Budgie desktop and break it, go for it. Mm -hmm. You want to make it unreadable text and pink backgrounds go for it have fun it's your desktop not mine mm -hmm. i don't have to use your desktop so that's my that's my approach to customization mm -hmm. and 
you know, we try to have that approach. And I think KDE does as well. I've seen a lot of commits um, to their theming engine where there there might be a theme that was like last developed like five years ago. And somebody will come around and they'll be like, oh, yeah, you broke, you broke the window border radiusing and decorations. And they're like, oh, sorry, let's go ahead and get that fixed. And it just it absolutely baffles me. So mm-hmm. love the KDE folks. Yeah. I think I, it's hard to really say at this point because it's not done. But at least from the discussions that I've seen, there seems to be a very similar sort of vibe coming from the cosmic side as well now they're shifting off of a gnome base and doing their own like actual desktop environment thing like in the discussions i've seen them involved in if like jeremy's there it's like we haven't got anything done yet so like i guess we'll just do what you guys are doing yeah yeah i i would say i get along quite well with jeremy uh i i would say i engage with him the most around the time that I, I don't quite remember what the issue was that set everything off, but Jeremy got absolutely blasted on the GNOME GitLab to the point where he ended up deleting his GitLab account. <laughs> uh, it might have been around Edwayda and accent colors or decor- theming or something. I don't know. Anyways, That's the biggest one I can think um, of. Yeah, so, so I love what they're doing with Iced. Um, and of course, they sort of maintain their own fork of it, uh, and I believe that they... they upstream stuff back to yeah they, they've uh, done a lot so, of upstream stuff yeah so i've i made a blog post in september of 2021 mm-hmm. uh where i was evaluating uh iced and cute and efl and iced wasn't quite there yet i was really impressed with it when i used a world of warcraft add-on client called azure r.i.p um but uh but it's evolved and matured a lot since then. It's very exciting to to see that we're going to have another viable alternative, mm-hmm. another viable native toolkit for applications. Well, it's also and especially neat- given this one's cross-platform as mm-hmm. well. It's also really neat to see another Wayland Composite implementation because right now it's just KDE, Genome, and then things based on WL Roots, which... They tend to do different things, like Hyperland has some additional things, and I'm sure Budgie's going to have their own extensions they choose to use and choose not to use, and maybe add in additional ones that, I don't know, for some use case that maybe you come up with. But it's nice to see someone actually doing another thing. I know there is this whole issue of the, like, standardization on Wayland, which I understand as an argument, and it's a problem, but... Uh, what in the world's happened to your camera? I don't uh, know. What, what happened to my camera? Uh, it's du- I I might be having connection issues on my side. Oh, okay. Uh, I I have gigabit, so. <laughs> okay, yeah, we have we had a storm here. I'm gonna just drop out of the call for a moment and join back. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at it and it's showing red. It's swapping between red and yellow bars for. Yeah. I. 
<laughs> good day to record. Yeah, we have like a thunderstorm going on, so hopefully, hopefully it's oh, not okay. a big deal. Um, the, your camera on my side, your camera has just been lagging pretty much the entire time, but whatever. It, it, your voice is fine. It's just the camera that's been a bit off. Okay. Um, it's fine. People don't need to see my face. No, a lot of the people just listen anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. what was I saying? Uh, oh, right. The whole standardization on the Wayland side. It, it's, it's a tough problem to solve because, like, there is a lot of issues that still need to be dealt with. And if we standardize, it's a lot harder to sort of bring those additional changes in. Like, if, if we had standardized to the extent that Xorg is standardized today and we still had all of these missing things from Wayland, I don't know if we would be dealing with them, like, as quickly as we are. If that makes any sense. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, th I think so. So what you're referring to with, with System 76 is their their use, I believe, of Smithy, mm, um, yeah, which yeah. is a, a Rust Rust based impl uh, implementation of well of a of a Wayland compositor, mm. and it's sort of like I don't know how many attempts there have been at either Rust bindings for WL roots or Rust based compositors, but it's nice to see that Smithy is still still being actively worked on. Mm -hmm. um, and what, what's great about that is uh, they are able to sort of effectively effectively be a player in the Wayland protocol discussions. And at least my understanding is you need like two or three compositors mm -hmm. to implement a given protocol for it to be um, standardized or, or moved, I believe, from like unstable to staging or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, so having Smithy there, I think will will help a lot because it's yet another option of mm -hmm. hey you know can we encourage them to implement for example this uh, layer shell protocol or this you know screen copying protocol or something mm -hmm. and then suddenly it, it's able to move from a draft to, to something that's actually formalized mm -hmm. so well yeah, and considering that they seem to be very open to like working with WL roots especially and KDE yep. as well um, those extensions that hadn't made their way up into the like main collection have some sort of chance of actually making it there especially with the backing yeah. of uh system 76 like i yeah. am i'm excited to see what they do i was concerned early on i didn't really know what we were going to see but now that they've been doing these like monthly quarterly whatever how often they've been doing these update blogs like it's clearly been coming along really, really well. I don't know what it's going to be like yeah. to run on a day-to-day -day basis, but at least looking at it, it seems like they've got something... They've got something coming together. Yeah, I, I would say I'm, I'm a little trepidatious, concerned, wary of them so heavily using their own fork. Because to me, it's sort of uh, of ice. Because to me, it sort of replays on GDK four and Libidweta yet again, where where people might just by default go with the Cosmic Toolkit uh, right. or whatever they call it, um, instead of like instead of just the baseline iced or you know people in the GNOME stack using Libidweta by default instead of instead of GDK. Mm -hmm. um, so it'll it'll be interesting to see how things play out there. Mm -hmm. But 
cr- crossing crossing my fingers that all all the cool stuff that they have in cosmic will somehow make its way into iced itself mm-hmm. so. and hey at least they've you know got a whale and compositor coming together unlike xfc's two versions away for wayland it's just how long there's two versions away i i i wouldn't hate on xfce i don't hate on xfce they They don't it's just they are a fairly small desktop environment at this point and it's taking so is budgie that's fair no that's that's fair okay I mean, I mean, how long has like this like mythical Budgie Eleven been in development, right? Like, fair point. Fair point. I don't know about about like six thousand years, if I had to guess. Uh, the the project that we should be concerned about mm-hmm. is Mate, because mm-hmm. we have seen basically no movement, no recent movement, anyways, on uh, a Wayland compositor in Marco. We saw a very short stint where they were trying out Mir. Mm-hmm. But yes, they have ported over some of their applications to support Wayland. Mm-hmm. But they're not exactly moving that quick. Whereas the XFCE folks, I mean, as a testament to the direction that they're going, um, even Budgie Desktop for Budgie 10 series mm-hmm. is actually going to be leveraging one of their libraries, which is libxfce for windowing, mm-hmm. because it provides. Uh, a a similar API to like WNCK, uh, and it, on the X11 side it actually uses WNCK, but also supports Wayland. Mm-hmm. So we're able to sort of leverage that instead of WNCK directly in order to actually introduce Wayland support in a lot of our, in a lot of the code that we had previously used WNCK for. So, mm-hmm. hmm. so I like the XFCE people. Oh, no, I, um, I've not spoken to any of them myself. I, I'm sure they're all lovely people. I just don't know how, like, I hope they, they get the Wayland stuff sorted out. That's, that's what I'll say. I really do. Because, as you said before, like, the writing is on the wall. This is the direction we are going. Yeah. X is still going to be here for a while. But we are going to start. Is it, though? Look, there are people running 10-year-old ThinkPads. It's going to be here for a while. But if you can't even get it in the repositories at some point, I think then you're going to have to even be compli- compiling all the X stack in Xorg server from scratch. That's true. As well. But there are going to be... Di- like, I don't see Arch dropping it anytime soon. I don't, like, Gen 2 is going to have it until it stops compiling. Yeah, yeah, probably Gen 2 in and Slackware. And, like, it's going yeah. to be on distros that... It, it's. I would not be surprised if in the very short future we don't see it on Ubuntu, we don't see it on Fedora, we don't see it on, like, these very mainstream... Di- especially, especially Fedora. Like... They've already got the whole KDE thing going down that direction. Nothing's confirmed, but Neil does not want to even touch X11 anymore. So I can't see that not happening. And the second that... The way I see it going, the second that Gnome announces that they're dropping X11, X11 is gone from Fedora. There is no X11 on Fedora anymore. Maybe one more version after that, but... I I don't see that happening. Um... (sighs) I, I think we will at some point see it be deprecated, mm-hmm. uh, but they would be basically nuking i3 That's... and Mate and Cinnamon mm-hmm. 
and budgie i mean why would they have accepted this fancy budgie thing only to then be like yo you guys gotta nuke it like immediately what i'm i'm curious about because this is a whole um red hat dropping support for x when when's that supposed to be happening i don't remember it's not um, real real nine or ten like uh, i don't know yeah i saw the uh red hat dropping xorg it's in their docks somewhere uh yeah i remember Rel 10 well. five years away that's gonna be an interesting point because five years from now like think about where Wayland was five years ago <laughs> obs didn't work there was no yeah, video yeah. capture that, on that, that's that's pretty recent yeah i think it was i want to say two years ago something like that yeah the past couple of yeah. years have uh, been crazy for improving Wayland. Yeah, and by then Budgie level will actually be out. That I that I can commit to. Five <laughs> years from now, you will have a Budgie eleven at the very you least. You sure you want to commit to because that? I, I I think I think so. I don't <laughs> think we're gonna have five other toolkit switches before then. Um. So yeah, at I, the very least, Budgie ten will will be on Wayland. So okay, you know, God okay. forbid. <laughs> what is the um the state of Wayland for you guys? Like, what do you? Uh, I, I sh I'm sure there's still a lot to work on, but like, what's done? What's being worked on right now? Is anything done? Yeah. So the, there's there's nothing done. So the the two things that are currently work in progress is the uh the, the Wayland base compositor. So Magpie V1. So Campbell Jones, aka Sarabit, has been uh, spear spearheading the efforts on that. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to give you a list of all the Wayland protocols he's already implemented, but it changes like practically every day mm -hmm. or every few days. Uh, so I've lost track. But how convenient yeah, that he, he actually made WayCheck. He yeah. open sourced. He he wrote a tool uh, called WayCheck uh, as a personal project, and you could actually install it. And if you use Wayland, you could see the protocols that your compositor supports, which is kind of mm. cool. Um, so, but he has been just absolutely kicking ass, I'll say, on on the Wayland compositor approach. And then uh, Evan has been working on the uh, libxfc for windowing uh, implementation. So replacing our WNCK code with it. And just the other day, he he pushed a, a, a Git branch with some like very early work in progress stuff of um, a new icon task list with. Uh, us leveraging the uh, XFC for windowing instead of WNCK. So there's still a lot to be done. Mm -hmm. For example, our pa panel management needs to be converted. We have to get all of our key keyboard input stuff implemented. We got to get exclusion zones implemented. So that way, like your apps, when you maximize them, won't then like overlap with the panel. Like there's still oh, a right, lot of work right. to be done. Um, but I'm I'm quite happy with the work that is is being done on that front. And just yesterday we we released Budgie ten eight one as a as a bug fix release. So our focus now is on on ten nine, and uh, that should hopefully I don't want to commit to anything, but at least start we'll start seeing some Wayland code approach on that, or at the very least maybe some some early work being uh, finalized on on ITL or icon task list. So okay. there's that, and then. Something I've been working on is um, something that's going to be leveraged in in Budgie 11, but I'm already working on some code related to that, which is our Budgie 
desktop or budgie settings daemon. Uh, so a complete rewrite at the moment, I'm writing in Rust, okay. and I am using Tonic, which is a gRPC implementation and protobuf stuff. So all of our internal communication and actually technically external, because you could just import the protocol uh, buffer uh, specifications, all that is going to be over protobuf to a centralized daemon. So budgie panel, that's going to communicate with the daemon. Magpie, going to communicate with the daemon. Um, the control center will communicate with the daemon. All of your configuration will be done through the daemon. So that's, that's being worked on at the moment. So, you know, lots of, lots of good stuff. Sounds like this is a lot of work to do. It is a lot of work. And that is even getting into the fact that we also need a XCG desktop portal. Um, <laughs> For Budgie as well, because the WLR one won't fit our needs, unfortunately. I don't... It, look, so the WLR it's, one it's won't like fit anyone's of, needs, to be honest. No. It's like a, a mountain of work. It's like a, an iceberg, where it's like, you know, everybody sees, like, just this little bit. They don't see everything that's underneath the water. Mm -hmm. uh, I would almost argue that the portal might be the biggest item. Uh, so, so Oro has actually provided an RFC for that on our discussions and there's some been some discussions around that. I I I probably don't need to explain who Oro is. Why is at Oro, least at the yeah, very least, one of my know. Discord mods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why so, is Oro Oro and Neil seem ev to show up everywhere. in every discussion I yes. get involved in? Yep. Yep. Well it probably doesn't surprise you and you know he discussed this where he's he's in our stand ups every week. Neil is so <laughs> Of course you know. he is. Why? So the KDE stuff came came to be no surprise to me. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Look, I'm happy that there are these people out there doing incredible work. But, yeah. like, I I do laugh every single time. Like, I, I, if I go to a, a KDE-related thing or, like, Asahi Linux thing, I expect Neil to be there. But when it's just some random... Un like, when I found out that, like, Neil did work on Lugaru, for example, like, okay, sure, why not? Yeah. Yeah, there was even a short time where he was trying to do some work in Solus. Uh, so, it's just like, the guy's everywhere. I, yeah, I don't understand I how. But he has, his, he has his fingers in all the pies, mm -hmm. which is actually quite nice, because if you ever need to get in touch with somebody, chances are Neil knows that person. So it's like, Oh, I need to get in touch with the KD person. You'll be like, oh, I know that person. I spoke with them a year and a half ago at this one conference. You'll be like, great. Okay, networking. <laughs> uh <laughs> I don't know where he, I don't know how he does it. I really don't. But like it's it's no. it's awesome there are people out there that are like this passionate about improving the FOSS world. Like yeah. we would we would simply not have software anywhere near as good as we have if there weren't... Obviously, like, people like Neil and Oral, like, they You recognize them straight away, but there are so many people out there like that who may be, like, dedicated to one specific project. Like, they may not be just touching everything. Like, it's just, like, one little thing that is their, like, mission in life to make better. And, yep. like, that's awesome. Like, that, that's just awesome. Or you might have a handful of developers that are working on something like Curl mm. that is like foundational mm. to like everything. Yeah, yeah. It seems. 
and somehow like they still have a problem actually making a living unless they get enough sponsorships and donations so yeah. it's like you know people people should be mindful of this as well like not not only is there like sometimes a handful of people you might not know about but also sort of these projects that you might take for granted like throw a few bucks or local currency um their way if you could afford it mm -hmm. because I, I i know that they would appreciate that what's it like on the budgie side like i i, I hear about budgie fairly often but i don't actually know how like popular of a desktop environment it is Uh, well, so we don't collect any telemetry. Okay. So I can't tell you how popular it is. Sure. No, that uh, makes sense. And I'm very, I'm, I'm very anti-telemetry when it comes to stuff like um, Fedora Budgie Spin or Fedora Onyx. Like, you're not going to have telemetry in there yeah, unless it's enough. like the default DNF count me. Um, I would say in terms of popularity, Ubuntu Budgie is without a doubt the most popular um, yeah, sure, operating system that ships Budgie Desktop. Uh, and of course, they do a lot of uh, customization on top of that through our panel API system, which is very, very cool. Uh, after that, I would probably say it's soulless, but I don't have an exact number count sure. for you. So No, that makes sense. But uh, but for me, I mean, it could literally just be me using it. And that, that would kind of be fine. I would still be working on it regardless, to be completely honest. But So what do you running right now you i think you mentioned onyx before is that what you've got running on all your systems uh technically no okay so so i have i have a home server as well and that's okay. not running fedora onyx okay, that's running that fedora core os that makes sense but all my all my systems so my work laptop was actually literally the first time i the first time we started generating os tree branches Mm -hmm. for onyx mm -hmm. i installed fedora silverblue and then switched over to the onyx branch with budgie desktop and all that so that's been running it for uh probably eight months now i don't know how long it's been a thing a mm -hmm. uh, personal laptop runs fedora onyx my desktop as of wednesday is running fedora onyx mm -hmm. so i figured out a way that wasn't hacky to actually get budgie desktop to compile and install into a location that's persistent okay. because that's not just your like you can't just blast slash or slash user because that's owned by os tree but there's elements of like a var that get mounted to directories that you would recognize as like user local and those paths get loaded before the ones in user bin so that way i could do budgie desktop development on fedora fedora onyx and for those that don't know because who could keep up with fedora names anymore i was gonna fedora oh, so onyx yeah. is yeah is the immutable variant mm -hmm. of fedora budgie spin so mm -hmm. it's the thing that has rpm os tree it has toolbox you know, you install your applications through stuff like Toolbox or, or Flatpak instead. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully it'll be called Fedora Atomic Budgie. <laughs> that would be nice. Either either in this release or in 40, because there's actually some, some movement that's been going on, some discussions that have been had okay. about shifting branding to Fedora Atomic again. Uh, and we now have a Fedora Atomic Desktop SIG, 
as well, which is a special interest group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is, that's led by uh, Timothy Ravier, which say, is one of the Neil developers Gomper. of... <laughs> no, uh, I, I don't he's know in... if he's in or not. I, I, he's pro- he probably is. If there's a SIG, just assume Neil's in it. Um, so there, of course, there's that. And then, uh, you know, there's been discussions with the Fedora Workstation slash Fedora Silverblue people as well. So mm-hmm. I don't know if the branding for that's going to change, but... Mm-hmm. Um, at the very least, there is hope that you won't have to remember all the super confusing names like Silver Blue, Kino White, Sericia, Onyx. I don't know if there's anything else. I think those those might, are the official ones. But then you have unofficial you have ones, Universal which also, Blue. yeah, which used a similar naming scheme, which is yep, yep, <laughs> yep. I look so so I I, I use Fedora Atomic Budgie. Mm-hmm. Atomic is. It's, I get why they originally got rid of it, because they wanted to distance, like, they wanted to distance this immutable thing from, like, Workstation, because people have this right or wrong perception of what Workstation is, and by calling it this other thing, it, like, calling it Silver, <clears throat> Silver Blue gave it, like, this sort of own, I guess, meaning, like, that's separate from what Fedora normally would right. like make you think about yeah it made sense then uh but... it, it made sense then but now where you have multiple of these variants yeah it's like is it named after a gym or a mineral or is it not like we'll never know so let's just yeah so my proposal was we would have like something like fedora budgie atomic instead of fedora atomic budgie mm-hmm. um but I don't really care which one we go with. Uh, so, so my line of thinking with Fedora Budgie Atomic is that at least my viewpoint is when people are installing Fedora with their desktop environment, they're making a conscious choice about that desktop environment first, mm-hmm. and then anything after that is like additional. It's extraneous. So, uh, you know, if they want to choose the Atomic version, it would be the Atomic version of their desktop environment or of that variant rather than them choosing the operating system and then the technology and then the desktop environment. So but. the non-atomic version is just called Fedora Budgie, yes? Yeah, so it's uh, right. Fedora Budgie Spin. But I've read the spin. It's just called Fedora... It's Spin, but yeah, uh, Fedora Budgie is just <clears> what <throat> people call it, so... Yeah. I'm sure... I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, I'm sure there's a whole legal discussion they have to have about how they use the Fedora Atomic branding. Yeah. Um, that I that's their problem to work out. Either way, I I would be happy either way as well. It Yeah. It's gonna make it a lot easier to explain what things actually are. Especially if, you know, I don't know, they want to bring something else on, like someone to make like a an atomic version of Mate, for example. Like you yeah. wouldn't have to come up with some other like weird name to make it fit into this. Yeah, and of course there there used to be Pantheon in the official Fedora repos too, mm-hmm. and I know that there were some some problems with that. I think also centered around Mutter, uh, which probably surprises nobody. So Gala, for those that don't know, which is uh, Pantheon's window manager, is based on top of Mutter. Um, so I don't know. It would be nice to see like a reinclusion of Pantheon. I know it's more centered around elementary OS, but it's also available in places like Arch. Um, so having it in Fedora again, officially, and having some some spins, I think would be pretty dope. Because 
I think a lot of people just want to use a specific desktop environment and they should be able to choose the platform of their choice. You know, if they use like Fedora server or RHEL or something at work, they might want their their own fancy version of it on the desktop. So, mm-hmm. so why is it that you're actually running the immutable spin right now? Why, why'd you go that direction? Uh, dog fooding for one, um, because... Before? So, 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 dog fooding is a terminology of bas- basically. I'm testing what I'm working on. Ah, um, okay. So, so, I I'm using it as the current beta. I will continue using it even after it's officially released because we do have the final freeze coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I like that. I also sort of like some of the safety aspects of it being able to roll back without having to deal with like butterfs snapshots and and all that kind of stuff where i'm just able to pick a particular commit is also really handy for testing because i do the fedora packaging of budgie desktop i will install those and then if i want to clean up my layers i could just revert back to the previous commit of of the os tree uh base image so so that that helps with with development. It helps me keep track of what I've installed, mm-hmm. and it also sort of forces me in the direction of flat packs and toolbox, which helps me containerize a lot of stuff. And th- those obviously can be used outside of Fedora Atomic, but it's like a a way of not polluting your base system um, with these atomic images. So I primarily use use it for like development purposes. I use it for quote unquote dog fooding. Um, and it's just, it's just badass. I, I think it's badass anyways. Uh, I don't, I don't know about you. I know a lot of people are just nonplussed about Atomic and that's perfectly fine. Uh, and I also understand that some people prefer having reproducibility through Mm -hmm. stuff like Nix as opposed to immutability, uh, which their reproducibility also has immutability, but without getting too technical. I understand like some people would prefer that, but um but yeah, I like the immutability aspect. One thing <laughs> so if anytime someone mentions Nix, I tend to get like a giant thread about why I still have not used Nix. So thank you right. for that. I appreciate it. Um because I think I mentioned offhand once that I was gonna like test it out at one point and that was like three years ago. I never did it. Um and now the Nix people bother me every chance to get. Well, I am welcome. They are welcome to temporarily redirect that frustration in those comments to me because I also have not used Nix <laughs> and I don't want to because every single time I try to take a look at the Nix documentation, it's awful. And it always is like, oh, yeah, but why didn't you read this blog from like 2018? Come on, Josh, like you should know this blog exists. It explains everything. Um, so there, so I, I haven't really messed around with it too much. Um, maybe improve the documentation first and actually provide like a step-by-step proper guide. And then I will, um, until then there are also solutions like fleek, uh, by the universal blue people, and they provide something in a much more digestible format, which is a YAML. And then it sort of creates Nick stuff in the background and you could sort of like, when you're ready, it's like training wheels. Mm-hmm. You could take off the training wheels and then have, have a Nick based um, setup. So that's like with home manager and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> the one thing I do know about Nix though, is people joke about like Arch Linux users telling you that they use Arch, but 
next year's is so much worse <laughs> they will make sure they're very that... passionate yeah I, I get it like it's there it's like a unique i, I understand the value different. yeah it makes sense it's just look i've like i i i personally would also like the idea of like i i say i want this version of this library mm -hmm. and it's going to be that version until i personally upgrade it mm -hmm. i think that's dope yeah it's awesome it's just the next language that i'm a big fan of yeah and i i look i'm happy with my absolute garbage arch system that is cluttered with nonsense i have 1881 packages installed <laughs> how so what's okay. wrong with you so here's here's <laughs> the thing right i occasionally will do videos on software like i've, I've got a, a video planned on WeCheck. now oftentimes WeCheck is one thing i will keep around oftentimes i install things that i don't intend to keep around and then I don't uninstall them. And I've not reinstalled right. this system for about three years. And over time, you just build up nonsense. And yeah, I would probably benefit quite I, a I bit like... from containerization. Because eventually, like, you know, I, I can install things in like an arch container or something. And then every couple of months, yeah. delete the container. <laughs> you just blast the container. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I did that. I did that for my past job. I was running all this stuff within a container. Mm. And then when I left that job, it was like, great. I don't have to deal with like reinstalling my system and getting all the gunk off of it. it just deleted the container and job done. Like that was it. So, but I'll have, you know, WayCheck is available as a flat pack. Mm. So you can just install it there. You don't have to install the Arch package, sure. uh, assuming you haven't already, which you probably have, because I, I think Arch users just they just default to AUR and Arch main it's, like Arch community. It is in the main repos because you know Campbell has the whole like he's a he's a TU retainer. yeah he's yeah. a trusted user yeah. So that's not an issue. <laughs> no, I know it. No, this AUR this time. Right. Maybe you should use like system D timers to like auto uninstall the stuff. See, that maybe after like a week or something, you know, there's probably like a safe amount of a buffer, right? Sure. Yeah, maybe. It's well, a very janky way. It, but... <laughs> it's eventually going to cause some sort of, um, what would you say? Like, what's the word? It like, Grabs something and then just knocks out half my system. I, it like. Oh right, yeah, yeah. It's like, like a cascading effect. Yeah, a cascading where, effect. There yeah, we so, go. Well, it's like the the Linus thing, and I and I don't mean Linus Torvalds, no. where you know he uninstalls Steam and suddenly his desktop environment's gone. Sort of. Thing. I think yeah. what happened then, I think the Steam package required an older, an older dependency. Yeah, it required an older dependency, which ended up rolling back a package, which had to roll back another package, and yeah, cascaded the entire desktop out, which is... I, yeah. I, I still... My favorite part about that entire situation are the people that were defending it as if that was a thing that was supposed to happen. Like, no, that was a bug. Like, that's not that was not no. supposed to happen. It <laughs> was a bug. They fixed it immediately, yeah. and then he didn't reevaluate it. Which, I mean, like, okay, fair, it's your first impression sort of thing. But, like, come on. Like, Luke put in, like, all this effort. He used to, like, daily drive Mint. I don't know if he does anymore. Like, he could put in a little bit more effort. 
Did, it, did uh, he go to Manjaro after Pop? Pretty sure that's... Yeah. Oh, I mean, that, was, that was just... I think it was... No, that it was, was a fatal error. It was Manjaro KDE. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. I mean, one, one the mistake was just Manjaro, right? Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I know hey. there's Manjaro people that, that they love it. I no, don't know. They, they don't... I, I would say it's Stockholm Syndrome. The Manjaro people anything. don't like me. I've, I've been too mean to Manjaro too many times. Oh. So they're not watching the video anyway. Oh, they right. might be. They might be hate watching. I don't know. <laughs> oh, fair enough. But you're you're welcome to to go over to buddiesofbudgie.org and hate watch the blog. Um, so yeah. uh, actually, that's one thing I don't want to touch on. Uh, what actually is like Buddies of Budgie? Buddies of Budgie is an open source organization mm -hmm. that I founded when I left Solus, mm -hmm. uh, and the goal of it is to develop Budgie Desktop. Mm -hmm. um alongside a bunch of we don't we don't really say downstreams anymore because they're part of the process so they're not downstream anymore but uh, alongside partners like ubuntu budgie and you know we have we have people on Solus, we have people on arch and on fedora so we're we're like a very multidisciplinary team across many different operating systems and platforms mm -hmm. um which i think is great because for a long time Budgie Desktop was associated with Solus, mm -hmm. and that had its downsides. Um, so it being outside of outside of Solus now in its organization, I think has done a lot of good, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, especially when we actually have releases, um, and it, they're not just around like the GNOME stack. Because for a while during the Solus days, it was like, yeah, we're only gonna do a release when we absolutely have to. Otherwise, we're sort of buying our time until GDK4 comes out. And, well, it, it, it came out, and I tried using it. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, so, so in January of, of last year, I created Buddies of Budgie and brought a bunch of people together. And I think we've just been, we've been killing it in terms of Budgie desktop since. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. During that whole segment, your camera completely cut out and... Now, like, the nice. video was trying to catch up to your voice. So, like, it completely... So it's probably approval. No, you're fine now. It caught up. But, yeah, during that, like, you had no mm. idea what to do. Uh, <laughs> I, I love my connection right now. It's so nice. great. Um... <laughs> yeah, you should, should move here. You can get gigabit for, like, 30 euro per month. Nice. I get... Um, well, I'm supposed to get 250 by 25. I get 250 by... Six and a half usually for a hundred Australian dollars a month. Oh my god. Uh, How much is that in a real currency though? Because that, that is Australian dollars. <laughs> so that's like, what like is that like five American dollars? That's or something? like seventy something like that. Oh okay, right. Yeah, so like it's it's not great. That's pretty rough. That's you, rough. It's gotten a lot better. also this is a fiber connection, by the way. <laughs> It's fiber. Yes, it's, I'm not even on fiber. It's fiber. But, so, okay. Uh, let me explain the Australian internet situation. So, we don't really have ISPs here. We do, but it's not, a, it's not like real ISPs. So, in Australia, we have a basically a complete government monopoly on internet. So... Almost all of the lines are owned by a group called the NBN, the National Broadband Network. Now, an, the initial plan was going to be fiber to every single house, gigabit, you know, 
turn Australia into like, you know, they wanted to sort of make Australia a tech hub, you know, like Korea is, for example. Mm. Now, the problem is the government changed. And when that happened, they were like, that's too expensive. Let's not do that. Let's run fiber to these nodes and then use the existing copper out to the houses. Right. Okay. <clears throat> so then the government changed again. And they were like, that's dumb. Let's do the original plan. And everything ended up costing twice as much because they then had to like redo all of the like the holes and all that, redo all that stuff. So now we're in the process of migrating properly over to fiber. But all of the lines are owned by the NBN. So you only get a very set, like there are a set number of packages. So they're like the... 50 by whatever, 250 by 25. These are like set things that cannot be deviated from by the ISPs. They can offer you like less if they want to, but all they are doing are rebundling the packages sold from the IBN. So pretty uh, from the uh, from the uh, the the NBN. So pretty much they're all just like resellers of the one ISP we have. So it's it's a great system. Sounds like a yeah, sounds perfect. It's no like, issues whatsoever. It's like the US system, but the entire country is... <laughs> instead of, like, you have these, like, zones that are owned by specific ISPs, right. that's just the whole country. Yeah. It's great. I right. love it. Yeah, yeah. For, for me, it's like when people even discuss, like, US issues at this point, I'm like, <clears throat> yeah, I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. I haven't lived there in so long that, like... Is that, is that how it is nowadays? That's oh what I God. hear, apparently. Yeah, okay, well... That's unfortunate. I, I I did read that they're planning on bringing back debt neutrality in the U.S. So, or at least that's the hope. So, congratulations, United States. <laughs> Looking forward to that. I you guess. know, I'm, I'm sure people like, you know, w- when nothing explodes instantly, everyone's like, oh, it, nothing, nothing occurred. So, look, I I don't expect anything to go well <laughs> with anything like that. Um, yeah, but. I guess we should probably get into the whole, the history of Budgie, the history of Solus, all this, all this, all this mess, because it, yeah. it, it's a mess. I guess the best place to start is the start. That seems like a good place to start. Yeah. So. Yep. That I, that makes sense to me log- logically in my head. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. <laughs> We could start at the start. Um, I was not there at the start of the start. Mm-hmm. I came. I came slightly after the start of the start. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Ike created Budgie Desktop, basically to be like GNOME Shell, but also sort of GNOME to like a sort of a, a modern aesthetic mm-hmm. uh, on top of the GNOME stack. So the reason why he did that on top of the GNOME stack instead of forking it was for the, the obvious maintenance costs. Sure. Uh, and it obviously eased development back then. Uh, the culture, I would say, of GNOME was quite a, quite a bit different back then. And as GNOME shell development has progressed and they've turned from more of a platform to a product-oriented focus, in my opinion, um, we've, we've seen a shift of culture there. But uh, at... At the beginning, we had the likes of Cinnamon, where initially they were, they had forked Gnome Shell, and then they forked everything uh, to have like their own X apps and their own stack of of ownership there. Um, and that was an approach that was desired for Budgie Desktop. And 
he developed Budgie Desktop alongside his development of Evolve OS. So this was a lo- very early in, in 2013, 2014. Uh, but I would say it really popped off uh, in, in early 2015. Mm-hmm. So this was like Budgie 7, Budgie 8 days. Uh, that's when it really, at least in my opinion, started getting more usable. Mm-hmm. And the thing that attracted me to it was it had a Chrome OS look. Uh, which was quite quite nice at the time. Oh wow, I'm, I'm seeing an old uh, picture. But it actually, and... yeah, that did look really good for 2015. Yeah, but it turned out it's actually so. The reason why it looked so much like that is because Ike was just really bad at CSS styling, like just so he just didn't know what to theme it as. So it, there wasn't, but it looked great. So like, I'm I'm not complaining. Uh, that's and how, then how I feel yeah. when people ask me about my theme. I'm just like, yeah, I have a a blue accent, and it's all the color is black. That's that's all. I do nothing else. Isn't is nothing fancy here? Yeah, yeah. My mine has just been like a dark bottom panel for forever. Keep it simple. And then Raven. Yeah. Like yeah, it. I don't need it to change. It it works literally just as it is. I like yep. this traditional desktop metaphor. But anyways, so yes. So I I joined Evolve OS in March of 2015. Mm-hmm. So I think it was like March 15th of 2015. Okay. Uh, I started doing packaging and all that and um, somehow managed to get looped into that despite the fact that there was like literally no packages. I couldn't even open up my password manager because Mono didn't exist. So that was a big priority for me. Because this was before KeePass XC, so it was just KeePass. Um, yeah, so so got started with that. I was like mostly doing packaging and web stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, as that time progressed, you know, uh, Budgie kept evolving. Uh, I don't remember the exact timeline with all the eight stuff, but we started working on ten. And I was like, hey, Ike, you know, I I've been using like this Windows thing for gaming um, every once in a while. And they kind of have like this cool action bar. And, but I also want like notifications built into it, kind of like what OS X had at the time. Um, it, it, I mean, it does now, but back then it was called OS X. Uh, so can we have a system where we could pull out a sidebar and it has like applets and notifications? Uh, so we came up with the name. So it's, it's what became as Raven. Mm-hmm. Um, now, initially, we had like all the budgie settings in Raven. But as we started adding more things, that became a mess very quickly. And we realized that had to be split out. So that was short-lived. Um, yeah, so... But, yeah, so so Budgie was, like, sort of the... Well, so Raven was, like, the, the major feature for, for 10 series. And I think that's really when things started to kick off with adoption in other operating systems as well. For example, Ubuntu Budgie Remix. Uh, mm-hmm. came out which later became ubuntu budgie when it was um when it was formalized and accepted as a as a proper flavor i think is what they call yeah, that's been a flavor yeah. of 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 ubuntu uh and yeah it's it's a it's evolved since then even though the name changed to to source yeah. mm-hmm. i don't know how much you want to get into when you left the project and right. all of that um because I'm sure there's some drama there that you don't want to get into. Uh, <laughs> but well, so so when Ike left, so mm-hmm. when Ike left in, I mean, left is a very polite way of saying it. Um, 
when he disappeared in 20... Oh, man. The years... I want to say it was 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways. That's what Wikipedia says. Yeah, I, I, I swear it's... Buggy was created... Uh, it was announced that Doherty had ceased communication with the Solar team for unknown reasons in 2018. 2018, right. My god. So, so during summer of 2018, I started picking up Budgie, De- uh, Budgie Desktop Development. Um, so I had like a quote-unquote summertime soulless uh, development session where I implemented notification groups i believe it was either notification groups or um per app volume control mm-hmm. so that's when those got introduced so that was quite exciting those were two things that were were bugging me was it was before that it was just a linear list of notifications all jumbled together chronologically so grouping them up as the name would imply by application um helped sort of calm the top well how would I say it? Calm the storm of notifications I was getting, mm-hmm. especially in places like Discord. Because I could just be like, yeah, I'm just going to clear all the Discord notifications instantly. That's pretty great. Uh, and then the per app volume control was something I really wanted because I, I have a tendency to like my Spotify super duper low, almost like faint background noise, okay. but then all my other system volumes and all my other desktop audio at, at normal. Um, so, so that's how I typically do it. But mm-hmm. anyway, so I implemented that to scratch an itch. And then uh, when he announced that he was evidently leaving the project, um, I became the experience lead of Solus, which basically meant all the software that he had been previously developing in terms of like graphical software, like software center and all that suddenly became my responsibility. Right. Didn't ask for it, but it it became that. So, uh, yeah. And that's ever since then, I've been leading budgie desktop development. And, um, then obviously I, I left in January of 2022 Mm -hmm. and, um, and I, I created the organization and been leading it through that. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was a very, str- very stressful time, both prior to my departure at Solus, but also when, when Ike was leaving. So. One thing I want to ask you about was, uh, what was, what sort of experience had you had in programming before you got involved with all of this? Had you had any, or did you just like jump into it? Like when you got involved with the project? It was primarily um, full stack development. So at that point, you know, TypeScript, JavaScript, less slash SAS, Golang, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I actually had started my my first commits of like C and Baller code were back in April of 2016. So I I was touching Budgie desktop and and Raven primarily before then, but I I wasn't as involved in it. It was very small things here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did have programming experience with it. I managed to have, I managed to avoid most of the C. And by that, I mean most of the G object C, which is a, a whole other thing, which is perfect and has no issues. And I'm sure the <laughs> Glib people absolutely love it. I do not. Um, so I managed to avoid most of that. Nowadays, I don't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. 
but how convenient that we're moving away from GDK and as a result, we're moving away from G object and glib too. Um, and we're able to write things in programming languages that we don't hate. Like C++ and Rust. <laughs> what problem do you actually have with G objects? Because I've not done any sort of... There's, there's a lot of boilerplate that okay. you have to deal with when it comes to, to typecasting and defining G objects and signals and macros and all of that. So mm -hmm. it just creates a lot of noise in your application that shouldn't otherwise be necessary. Right. Um, I mean, I can't imagine doing GDK development with C without G object. I mean, obviously the two are interlinked, but just C by itself, I would say is not ideal, especially if you're, <clears throat> if you're using an older C standard. Mm -hmm. But... I, I would say ergonomically, I prefer Vala and Rust for GDK mm -hmm. over over C for sure. Because mm -hmm. Vala provides you a more object-oriented approach, and just as a language, it's quite now you've quite nicer. You, you said OO is good. <laughs> you're gonna have the uh, you'd have lots in, of in 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 the in the. In the context of in the context of widget development, I think object oriented is the logical <laughs> approach. I would also have you note that I do React development for a living, so I'm also used to the functional approach, mm -hmm. where it's less OO. So I understand both. I I understand the Elm approach that like Ice used, um, and I also understand the OO stuff. But comparatively, <laughs> from C to Vala. The Vala stuff is much more ergonomic. The problem you have with it is they do their own transpiling down to C, and it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. And by it's not perfect, I mean in the case of, for example, Budgie Desktop, we had to push out a release, when it says early this year, uh, where suddenly there was a change in Vala that resulted in how they were freeing integer matrices caused seg fault so whenever you tried to do a search in budgie menu things would explode because we were using it as part of our search algorithm for like determining relative like your your search term to application names and keywords and stuff so that's not ideal and and right at this moment in time with the latest clang it doesn't exactly work the best with vala either so you kind of forced to use gcc mm -hmm. but so it's it's not perfect but you know, I I would say if you're gonna do GDK development, you go you you go with Vala or Rust unless you hate yourself. So, or alternatively, there are other toolkits out there. There are you could you know do uh, you, there's Iced and and uh, there's Iced with Rust. You have Qt with about a thousand different bindings. So, uh, and of course you could do Python with GDK, but I think most people with Qt, they use C++. And I've seen some of the Rust code with the CSX to Rust stuff, and it actually doesn't look all that bad. Um, so the, the bindings have definitely matured around it since then, especially with Qt6 stuff, it's actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's always those two as an alternative. Um, unfortunately, those, those are kind of like the big ones. EFL is sort of, in in choppy waters i would say uh which is unfortunate but it is mm -hmm. uh their wayland story hasn't really been progressing all that much it, it's been experimental for like two years two three years now 
And the last major development of it, I would say, was two years ago. Oh, and I, I'll I'll link you actually. Okay. Let's see if I if I have it. Um. Yeah. Here. Okay. okay. Uh, th this one wasn't too ideal. So this was recently done, and by recent I mean three months ago. That's which is the question of EFL and enlightenment participation in uh -huh. Wayland protocols. So ask about it's a very short thread. Correctly, I don't yeah. believe EFL enlightenment has participated in any Wayland protocols discussion for a long time, at least post governance. I don't blame anyone at all. I can completely understand why this would happen and why this is perfectly fine. However, in case you don't plan to participate, I'd like you, uh, you to consider your Wayland Protocols membership. Indeed, some governance decisions require feedback to vote from members, and inactive members make it harder to pass a decision. If you plan to participate in the future, or if you otherwise wish to retain your membership, I'd be happy to keep things as is. If you don't plan to participate and you're okay with dropping membership, uh, that help us with making governance adjustments, I believe. What do you think? Huh. I actually wasn't aware of how they handled... Yeah. I didn't know they had voting like that. That was... That's new to mm -hmm. me. And as you can see from the comment, uh, the individual that was basically the representative hasn't been active in EFL enlightenment for years. And they, to the best of their knowledge, at the very least, so I'm parroting what they said, congratulations, I am now TTS. Um, nor has EFL slash Enlightenment been actively pursuing anything Wayland related in the meantime, to the best of my knowledge. Mm -hmm. So EFL is problematic. It doesn't mean it's impossible, of course, to use EFL, mm -hmm. um, but they they have a lot of work to do on that front. So there's a lot of front work that we would need to do with EFL mm -hmm. as well. So. so that's... But <clears throat> yeah, so that's why I didn't bring up EFL as a, an alternative to like cute and, and gdk at this point because it's it's not doing too good so which, which sucks so what you're saying is there isn't going to be a toolkit swap over to efl that's not what i'm saying i'm just saying that there's a lot of like <laughs> front work that would need to be done to to facilitate <laughs> i like how support. it's still possibly on the t <laughs> how many how many times is budgie swap toolkits Technically, Budgie hasn't swapped toolkits at all. Okay. Because I want to sure. Because we haven't we haven't written any of the code that would have we would have swapped over to. Okay. In terms of announcements. Uh oh oh man. So okay, so let me provide some context. Okay. So so when I don't even remember when the the cute announcement was made. Um uh, but that was written, I think I published it, but it was more or less written by Ike. Not to throw him under the bus, because it was a, it was a team decision. Um, 2017. So the, yeah, so the, the decision was, was made to explore and move to Qt mm -hmm. and away from, from GDK. However, it turned out that at the time, most of us just really didn't like C++. And there really wasn't anything like Rust in terms of bindings for... I mean, Rust hadn't really even popped off by then. Um, so there wasn't really any, any bindings for it. Um, yeah, that was only two years into Rust at that point. Yeah. I think I was just so it hearing murmurings about Rust around then. Yup. Yeah. 
So that that wasn't really viable. And there was a lot of early work in like Qt5 with Key Wayland. Um, things have matured obviously a lot since then over the last few years um, in, in terms of Qt. And now we have Qt6. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but then it just, it wasn't ready. So, so all of that was practically shelved as soon as it was announced, which, um, like at that point, it's like, oh boy, why do we even bother to announce it? And then IQ leaves and the rest of us are like, okay, well, you know, we're not the biggest fans of, of, uh, a C plus plus GDK four is right around the corner. It should have all this cool stuff, right? Like, look at all these libhandy widgets, right? Surely all of those will actually be in GDK, so it could be it could actually be usable. Like, some of these widgets will actually just be upgraded to the handy variants. Mm-hmm. No, that didn't happen. We got libidweta instead, uh, which is probably not a mystery. I'm not a fan of libidweta, but I'm I'm not a fan of libidweta for the widgets. The widgets mm-hmm. are awesome. I just don't like it being forced to use the Adwaita style sheet. Mm-hmm. And I know, technically speaking, you could use a GDK environment variable, or you could, you know, load up a GDK CSS file and overload some of it. Um, but that's not really the same as what we have with GDK3, which is a proper proper theming support, or at least in my view, proper theming support. Mm-hmm. The GDK developers would argue differently, of course. Um, so, so we, uh, we had made the obvious announcement of like, yo, we should do, we should do it in GDK mm-hmm. because we use GDK currently. The new GDK four should be dope when it comes out. It comes out. I write an application with it. It's super buggy because like, I don't know if they fixed it since then. I don't think so. But like list boxes, if you had a certain number of children in the list, it would reset your scroll position randomly, which is not ideal if, for example, you're trying to write like an audio player and you're scrolling through artists and suddenly your scroll position's at the top. So, so you know, <laughs> and they weren't, they haven't exactly been very quick to work on that because all their focus has been on, on Edwaya. Mm-hmm. So, but that, that went out the door. Mm-hmm. And also around that time, stuff was happening in terms of accent colors the proposal to remove theming entirely. You know, Edwaita was starting to become a thing. Um, Jeremy getting absolutely blasted. Just in general, a lot of major community uh, community in conduct issues, I would say, in Gnome. And I was like, yeah, this isn't something I want to be part of. And, like, we discussed it internally, and some people were against the idea C++. So I was like, okay, well, that doesn't really leave me a choice. I guess if if we can't use C++ because some people don't like it, then it can't be cute. So I guess it's just EFL. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just the process of elimination. Mm-hmm. I tried out Iced. It just wasn't ready. It's obviously matured since then. Um, now, now, fortunately, Budgie is outside of Solus at this point. Mm-hmm. We have a much more diverse amount of people. And uh, and we also like C++. So that puts more things back on the table. We like Rust, so that keeps ice on the table. Um, it's just unfortunate to see EFL in its current state. So if we, if we go with EFL, which is still, still the plan, but it will, it will require more work for us. But who knows? 
What I will say is nobody will, nobody will know until we make an announcement with something that's actually just immediately usable that's a as good an plan. alpha. That's a very because, good plan. Because let's be real. I, I'm, I'm tired of making these pre-announcements mm-hmm. of switching to things for the ground to fall out underneath me, mm-hmm. right? Everybody else is sick of it. And it's a, it's a freaking laughing stock. Like, let's be real here. It's like, I've, I made jokes about it. Like, even during our stand-ups, I make jokes here. Like, I don't know, 5,000 different toolkits. Who knows, maybe by the time we do Budgie 11, a new toolkit will be invented. But, um, yeah. So we're, we're just going down the approach of, you'll know when you know. Mm-hmm. And right now, our focus is Wayland mm-hmm. and Budgie 10. So... And we still have a ton of work to do in terms of uh, in in terms of budgie eleven, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like before we even get to the graphical stuff. So, was, so but the nice thing. Mm-hmm. Go go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say the um the post I saw about uh, budgie desktop moving to Qt that was from uh, OMG Ubuntu, and that the post was from twenty seventeen. But someone commented on uh, commented on it three years ago saying. I guess they're happy they never did this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's. I I mean, honestly, I I wish we just never made any announcements about any of it. That would have been much better because then I wouldn't have had to make announcements. And then, oh, I mean, though to be fair, I made the mistake of the obvious choice, which is sticking with GDK four. Mm-hmm. Um. And then regretting that immediately. But uh, yeah, so at this point, it's just no, 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 no more pre-announcements. Mm-hmm. We're just going to write things in our little corner and YOLO. My favorite pre-announcement is uh, GIMP 3, which is supposed to happen at the end of this year. I don't see it happening by the end of this year. Maybe next year. I, 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 look, I look forward to a GIMP that has finally moved over to an eol version of a toolkit that'd be nice super super dope yeah and then everybody could be like hey you should rewrite it in something like cute honestly like i i look gimp is an incredible tool right but like i i don't know like what their future plan is because i don't they're not going to do GTK 4 or GTK 6 or 7 whenever they get around to it. Um, I, I don't know, because, like, 3 made sense when 3 was still, yeah. like, the main version. But, like, that was a while ago. So... Yeah. And, that... and I don't want to imply that GTK 4 is bad. It's just a lot of the things that you would want mm-hmm. are in Libidueda. And I get it. That's perfectly fine for a lot of people. I just want people to theme the hell out of my desktop and whatever apps I make. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, okay, it risks them breaking. You know what? That's a problem for theme developers. That's mm-hmm. not my problem. So I could just close the issue and be like, hey, sorry, talk to your theme developer. That's mm-hmm. not a big deal to me. I know it's a big deal to some GNOME developers, mm-hmm. but for me, it's like, yeah, it's just another issue, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. it takes me two seconds to copy, paste, to comment, and close it. Mm-hmm. Don't even have to do that. Just put a label on it and get up a lot of closer. But yeah. So, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with GIMP. Mm-hmm. I, I'm hopeful 
that they'll switch over to to cute. I would like to see that. I don't think it's likely. But I hope. Call it, um, I've got to rename it then. I've got to come up with something for it. Hmm. Uh, I mean, so long as they keep their licensing, mm. it'll still technically be something related to GNU, right? Because it's the GNU, not GDK. Um, it's the GNU image manipulation that's program. Fair. That's a fair point. Yeah. I... Yeah. So okay. they don't have to. They don't have to, but it'd be funny. They should. <laughs> they should take that opportunity to rebrand because GIMP is a terrible name. I mean, there's a reason why they've changed their desktop file mm -hmm. to GNU Image Manipulation Program in long form <laughs> instead of GIMP. Yeah. Like you could, there's there's plenty of names. That's like uh, remember, there's that that Glimpse project. I don't know if they actually do anything. Uh, Glit no Glimpse. But just be Glimpse. It got archived years back after. Right. I, they had some. They had support initially, and then. Uh, I think they just devs kind of stepped away from the project and it just couldn't really keep going. That's my understanding. So just ask them, hey, can we use this name? I, I bet they, I bet they won't decline. You know, just. I mean, it's not like they. It's not like they trade. They trademarked it, so you know, you know, you can change it anyways. You could but... just drop the G. Just call it Imp. That works. Imp? Yeah, Imp. Why not? Doesn't it, doesn't Imp have like negative connotations too, though? It's not Gimp, though. <laughs> True. I guess it would be an improvement. Yes. Um. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Call it, you know what? Just call it Pimp, right? <laughs> you know what? But, but but it would be it would be photo and image, right? Like I know the two are kind of the same, mm. <laughs> but but you know manipulation program called pimp. You know, pimp my photos. Uh, you know I can get behind this. If anyone from the <laughs> from the Gimp project happens to hear this, <laughs> you full license to use the name pimp. Ab absolutely, I'll give you that one for free. The next one will require a donation to Buddies of Budgie, but this one I'll give you for free any day. Uh, like. Yeah. I look honestly. I I feel like Gimp right now has bigger problems to deal with than the name. Like the whole not being able to select layers thing that they're finally dealing with in like groups of layers. How that has mm -hmm. taken like twenty years to implement. I it's 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 been a journey. It's finally yeah. happening. I mean, it's better than it not happening, right? That's true. Like, uh, I'm I'm more than happy when because. Have I donated to GIMP? No. Should I? Yes. They don't owe me anything. Mm -hmm. I still use their software on an almost daily basis. Do you know what? I, so, the, the fun thing about GIMP is it is a resounding success about how easy it is to work with the GTK toolkit. It's taken 20 years to implement collecting <laughs> layer groups. Yeah. I don't. Is I do wonder if that's like a result of GDK itself, or to be fair, or if that's GTK like too. other libraries, like of like GEGL or like Gaggle. Mm. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, like Cairo and mm. all all that stuff. But I'm sure there's plenty of reasons why it's like that. Yeah. Also, they don't have the funding that like people often talk about, like how developed like Critter is, for example. Like mm -hmm. 
I'm pretty sure Critter right now at least was sponsored by Intel. Like, they have, like, money. They have money for, like, full-time developers. Like, they can do things right. at a much faster pace. Yeah. Same with OBS. Like, OBS, they have, like... Yeah. you. Were, I know you mentioned on your Mastodon, like, it was something like OBS show... What, what was it? Like, OBS shows, like, what's capable with open source or something. I don't know exactly what you said. Yeah, I, I I could pull it up on my Mastodon. It's it's pretty recent. Um, I said whenever I fire up OBS Studio, it's like getting a shot of hopium uh, that the development, adoption, and quality of open source software can absolutely crush or rival proprietary alternatives. Yes, I know there are a ton of amazing, uh, other amazing examples like Blender and LibreOffice, but OBS Studio just hits differently for some reason. Mm-hmm. I think that's also because I kind of remember the days when, like, you streamed through VLC. Is that what you did? Not on, even joking. Like, on Linux. That's that, that, is, that was one option that you had. I, I think it might have been one of the only options. I somebody could correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure there's somebody out there that used to be an AV specialist that like used to do through like an FFmpeg CLI bash script that they had. But um, that's at the very least what I remember. <laughs> And then OBS Studio came around, and this was at the time of, like, other, other, oh, I'm trying to remember some of the other streaming solutions that nobody uses anymore at this point. Uh, XSplit would have been the big thing. There's, like, XSplit, I think. Yeah. I think XSplit was a big one. I Um, think Blackmagic had their own thing as well. Right. Once again, that no one uses, because why would you? Because OBS Studio exists, or Streamlabs OBS, like... Either which one, or maybe they call it. I think they call I, it like Streamlabs Studio or something. At this they point. yeah, they, they dropped the, the OBS thing. Well, that's yeah. the that's the reason why Logitech sponsors OBS to make them. Mm. Uh, I don't know how many people remember that. There was the whole there was this big drama about Streamlabs OBS like last year or maybe I don't know. COVID's completely yeah. lost my sense of time over the past couple of years. Somewhere in Same, like the past okay. year or two, um, where. Streamers start realized. I actually didn't know this myself at the time, but streamers started to realize that Streamlabs OBS is not actually affiliated with OBS, besides the fact that it's a fork. Mm-hmm. But they were using the yep. name of OBS, and I believe I want to say like Pokimane or someone like that was the face of Streamlabs at the time. Found out and was like, "Hey, actually, like support the main project or drop me for like completely out of your marketing." Um, yeah. And to make this problem go away, Logitech, who owns Streamlabs, donated a lot of money to the OBS project. Now, they never said that's the reason why they did it. But the, the timing was very convenient for when Logitech did that. I mean, like, it, the problem with... If I was in OBS Studios, like, shoes, and I got just a crap ton of money, mm-hmm. I think I would probably stop complaining as well. Because they're a pre a premier tier sponsor, which I think means they donated like at least a hundred thousand or something like that. Oh, that's pretty good. I, I, yeah, it says somewhere on their website how much. It, it's definitely a lot of money. Like they paid for a couple of full time devs for at least a year or so. Um, I don't know. I I'm not going to be able to find it on their website. Maybe if I click, wait, premier tier? No, I don't know. It's it's somewhere on here. But like OBS, like OBS has. A lot. Also, a stream element to his competitor, Streamlabs, also donates to OBS, which is funny. Um, 
Like OBS, like they are. I I don't know how how many people they have working full time on that on that project, but just looking at like the sponsors they have, like they clearly have the money to be putting some like people on there. Like on their premiere tier, they have YouTube, Logitech, Twitch, and Facebook, mm-hmm. and then Diamond tier, Nvidia, AMD, and Stream Elements. Like that's. I, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of yeah. money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just just add Intel here, and you probably have everybody that's relevant, right? Mm. Like, man. Well, you have that so, so like YouTube, YouTube, Twitch, mm. and Facebook. I get because they all have their own streaming solutions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like Logitech obviously makes sense. Mm-hmm. A- AMD. Like, I'm curious why or what what the business value is to AMD for sponsoring. I wonder, is it to ensure that like APUs and AMD GPUs remain, like they continue to have proper like acceleration and transcoding capabilities or? That would be my assumption. Like AMD is very, we'll say far behind NVIDIA when it comes to the streaming. Actually, they're far behind with a lot of the GPU stuff. Like, they have dropped the ball entirely when it comes to machine learning. They have dropped the ball entirely when it comes to um, GPU video encoding. Like, they've just let NVIDIA own that space. And I get it. This is true, but you know where they haven't dropped the ball? Hmm. Where? Wayland support. That's true. That's very true. Like, I, I know people are going to wonder, like, hey, what about that NVIDIA support on, like, you know, Budgie Desktop when you go WL Roots? No, we'll be in the same position as everybody else, which is tell you to buy a AMD or Intel graphics card. Just, uh... I, and I know, like, that's, that's easy for me to say, sure, you know, sure. I, I'm a European, I, I have, like, a nice salary, I was gonna say, know, where do the European I have good purchasing... <laughs> Well, it's just like we have good purchasing sure, sure. Uh, power for, for in a lot of the EU uh, member states, at the very least. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I know like a lot of people can't just afford to go out and buy another GPU. Mm-hmm. But like, come on, NVIDIA. Like, get with the program. Like, there are. It's better than it used to be, but it's still. It, like... it, it is better, but they apparently it's the performance is not great because they are lacking some like GBM APIs that they need to implement, mm-hmm. um, at least on the WL root side. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure about the, um, the KWIN and, and Butter side, but mm-hmm. at least for WL roots. Well, you have that, that arc box back there. Yep. Are you, are you actually using that or is that just like a shelf decoration? No, I, don't, I, I actually use it, yeah. Okay. I have an Intel Arc A770. Um, and you're probably wondering why would you do that? that AMD exactly is just vastly sup- like AMD is vastly superior. Yeah, I know, but uh, I also like I need to scratch the itch that I scratch this itch of of kernel testing and Mesa lib git testing and all that because for a while I was doing uh, kernel maintenance and a lot of the Mesa stuff for Solus. So, like, I was running a Linux Next, which was always the release candidate kernels. You know, I was, like, dog-fooding Mesolib stuff just to try to catch some issues before other people, mm-hmm. before we tried to push it to unstable. Um, and when I, when I left Swalls, I was like, oh, man, I, I, I need to have my stuff break. Things aren't exciting enough for me. And Intel came out with his GPUs. Mm-hmm. 
and the support for them was not great <laughs> and it required kernel patches it did. and then it required an rc kernel and then uh eventually you had to run mesa git uh yep. nowadays you don't have to do all any of that you can run the latest kernel and just normal mesa lib so it's a little less exciting so i might have to find some different hardware to run um that causes breakages but that's the that's the main reason uh why i went with intel arc i'm not like some some intel shill or any of that so go to a second hand shop and buy yourself like a gtx 660 or something <laughs> just run Wayland on that see what happens uh, I, I don't. I don't need to actually. So my my home server, I have a NVIDIA GPU, oh. and I also have like a. I have. I also have a 1060 just sitting here that I could just. Yeah, but that's in the range of like needed. supported cards. <laughs> I love whenever. Okay, I love every time I talk about Wayland, and someone's like, "Hey, my 13 year old NVIDIA GPU doesn't support Wayland properly." Like, yes. But NVIDIA doesn't support that GPU properly either. Like, I get no. it. You're going to keep running X11, but like... Yeah, that's... Some of us like buying modern hardware. Well, it's not even modern. Like, I get having to buy second-hand hardware. Like, that's totally fair. Sure. Like, it... But, like, we... <laughs> We're not... I mean, even the NVIDIA rest of the 10 series the rest of the... is, like, still really good. Yeah, the rest of Linux desktop is not going to wait behind for basically e-waste like, like i get it you're running it like it's what you're gonna run but like let, let's yeah. be honest about what we're doing here like it's e-waste at this point yeah we're, we're talking about underperforming power hungry gpus in a lot of ways i mean that that to, that said it's not like nvidia 40 series is you know like a knight in shining armor when it comes to power efficiency and <laughs> consumption either yeah, that's um you know like i another reason why i went with intel arc over what amd had at the time mm -hmm. was lower tdp mm -hmm. of the gpus and this was around the time uh well of november december of last year when prices for electricity were excruciatingly high here Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I wanted an upgrade, but I also didn't want to have to pay like two, three X in electricity costs either for it. So, uh, I went with, with that instead of 40 series, but, mm -hmm. um, AMD offerings at the moment are, are quite comparable at the very least in terms of TDP. But I luckily don't have that concern because my house has solar, which is nice. And in Australia, <sighs> we just have sun, just always sun, like... We get a power bill, but it's like, oh, you want to pay like $80 for three months? Like, sure, I can do that. Why not? <laughs> Man, I, I would love to have solar. But, but yeah, um, so, so my line of thinking is I would love to support NVIDIA GPUs. Mm -hmm. I, I think users using NVIDIA are like well within their rights mm -hmm. to, to have that but also like we we can't keep waiting around for nvidia mm -hmm. and i think we we stopped at least in, in terms of mutter and and uh, k when we stopped waiting around for nvidia and we're like yeah um so if you guys don't get your act together our enterprise linux operating systems are gonna be inadequate in terms of like running with nvidia hardware and nvidia is like oh 
Yeah. Oh, well, we better get some stuff sorted then, huh? Because we like our enterprise customers. And we definitely don't want them switching over to AMD. So that's what we need more of in this community is a good old Linus middle finger, <laughs> you know, and just just roll with it. AMD, Intel, and when NVIDIA wants to get their act together completely, then welcome aboard. I had not so. thought about that when it came to the, the whole rail dropping XORG thing, but I guess, I guess that's a fair point. Like... Maybe that would be what they actually need to have happen. Yep. And it, and if you have default support on Fedora Workstation, mm -hmm. and, you know, like KDE is slightly less relevant when it comes to, like, you know, mo mo most consumers or Linux consumers, especially mm -hmm. in the business space. But, like, that uh, or, like, any sort of stuff around CentOS, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to be Gnome and Mutter. Mm -hmm. So... You know, I know NVIDIA and the, the Mutter and GNOME team have been working hand-in-hand -hand quite a bit, but, uh, but I'd like to see the rest of the ecosystem sort of be carried along with that. <laughs> maybe one day. Maybe one day, you know, everything will one be day. equivalent. But until then, I, I would love to have an NVIDIA card. Like, if, look, if I had the additional money, I would just get a... Car, a video card just for the uh, NVENC encoder. Like, for me, that would be valuable enough. But... Right. I, I really hope that AMD sorts out their encoder, because it's not terrible, but it's also not good. Plus, also, there's just a lot of additional things that NVIDIA is doing, especially in the gaming space. Like, they've got their whole... Um, Dear, no, what the, f the 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 thing that's not FSR, DLSS. Oh, uh, DLSS. Yeah, that yeah. one. Um, yeah, they have like, DLSS three and three point five. Which, now, so. from what I've seen of that, it's magic. I don't, I do not understand how mm -hmm. it works, why it works so well. Yeah. I know the direction they're going is like not rendering like actual proper frames but generating things based on ai models i don't understand how it works but it's it's black magic to me yeah, as well. yeah. <laughs> it's really cool and yeah look if you can go from games being barely playable to actually working really well like that's awesome and considering that especially now with a lot of the ue5 stuff a lot of game and a lot of game devs are like pushing things very graphically like we are getting to that point where we're sort of getting back to those like hey will it run crisis sort of thing where like high like mid to high-end cards are struggling to run like a lot of games like you actually want to be going like really high tier if you actually want to be pushing a game for a while yeah. like for a while, it just was not the case. Like, you could buy, like, a mid-tier card. It was going to max out most things. Um, it's... I don't know. Like, also, then there's a whole, like, people wanting to reduce their power consumption as well. So, if you can get a lower-tier card that might have a lower TDP and then get high performance out of it than would otherwise be possible, like, that's also really cool as well. Or even getting, like, a slightly, like... Uh... Higher end GPU, but then underclocking it slightly. Well, that yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, that, that more affects thermals, but it can affect TDP as well. Hmm. Um, well, thermals, yeah, I mean, by extension, because of the rest of your system, also is going to increase power consumption as well. But it, Yeah, exactly. Uh, I am excited for the new FSR, though, because mm -hmm. I, you know, when I try just, I don't remember if it was FSR or FSR 2 mm -hmm. with Cyberpunk 2077 on my NVIDIA GPU, like, last year. I went from, and I play at 4K. Uh, so things have to play at that resolution because mm -hmm. aside from new, okay, not everything. New World is the exception that I'll run at 1440p in a window uh -huh. because I'm not going to 1440p upscale. The, but FSR2 took Cyberpunk at 4K from completely unplayable mm -hmm. to 60 FPS stable. And honestly, I didn't notice the texture difference. I think it was like 1080p textures, but it could have been less and I wouldn't have noticed. Or another example, No Man's Sky. That somehow went from completely unplayable to I turned it on and it was actually using textures at 720p. And I somehow did not notice. That's how good the upscaling was. Um... So, and I'm I'm more on board with these open source vendor neutral alternatives like FSR, mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to DLSS. Mm -hmm. But just because I want to be able to have the flexibility of say, oh, tomorrow I want to go out and buy an AMD GPU, mm -hmm. or for example, have Intel. And yeah, like Intel has their own uh, XDSX, XESS, mm -hmm. or something that like nobody nobody supports. I didn't know that. Existed. I think the only I think the only game I've seen it in is like Diablo 4 and you know nobody plays that at this point. So nobody play Yeah, but in the list of games you mentioned there, you mentioned New World. Is anyone playing New World at this point? True. I I I'll I'll have you know they have an expansion coming out. I'm not I trying to show it. They do have I think it's Angry Earth. Um mm. so I've been I've been playing a lot of a lot of New World. Uh just to get my gear score up and mm -hmm. and all that, yeah, I, and, I and prep did... for the new the new levels and stuff. I it was, I don't know if you were massing all your websites. One of one of your things, maybe it was your YouTube channel. I don't know. One of your things you mentioned uh, being an MMO junkie. I was gonna ask you what you played. Also, Elder Scrolls Online. Okay. So that's uh, the tall guy right there, Molagball. Mm-hmm. And this is from uh, the the latest. So this is uh, Deidre Mora. I don't remember her name mm -hmm. or its name technically because it's a Deidre. Mm -hmm. But Herme is Mora. Um, so I, I I play Elder Scrolls Online as well. Not so much nowadays, but mm -hmm. um, I come back during a lot of the patches, and I'll I'll come back during this one. But I know you're a a Final Fantasy junkie. Uh, yeah, we'll say that. Um. I look. Here's the thing, right? I have not finished the story. I'm like a patch behind in the story, so I'm like almost caught up. But I've probably got a couple thousand hours in that game. Um, my the the MMO I went hardest on was RuneScape. I played that from. Are, are we talking like old school RuneScape or new RuneScape? I played from 2006 until RS3 Beta came out. I didn't okay. play RS3. <laughs> I quit when the beta okay. came out. Yeah, I, I'm honestly surprised whenever I hear people still playing OSRS. Like, well, like, yeah, it makes sense to me. I really liked it when I played it. But... Well, no, 
That makes sense to me, because they're actually patching it. it. What confuses me are the people that yeah. play Classic WoW. Like, it's a... This, it's just a done game. Like, there's nothing being added to it. Like, yeah, you can... Like, uh, not that, like, the going, people who are going through, like, um, Wrath and, like, all of that. Like, that makes sense. But the people who are still playing, yeah. like, the Classic servers, like, nothing's added to that. It's just Classic. I but never... That, but that's the nice thing. Mm. I would argue that's the nice thing, because you don't have to deal with Dragonfly. You don't have to deal with, like... Uh, having to worry about um, like it's not corrupted armor, but uh, corruption and all that with with Shadowlands and the terrible like raiding and and dead tier sets and tiers there. Like you don't have to worry about any of that with classic. It's a simpler game. To be fair, I and never also, played I feel like the difficulty ramp in in World of Warcraft in terms of like raids is just like unnecessarily difficult and time consuming. Like. Res, like having to get res and then run all the way through the raid or the dungeon or to get back to where you're supposed to be you know you have to deal with consumable oh, it's, it's awful i don't i don't like modern world of warcraft rating whatsoever to be fair i never played well um so i can't really speak on that there was a there was a time uh so back in high school uh a bunch of my mates were playing well i think this would have been Sweeping around Mr. Pandaria, and they're like, hey, you should come play WoW. And I thought about it, right. and I was like, that wouldn't have been that long after I stopped playing RuneScape or around the time. I was like, I I don't need another MMO right now. I, it doesn't need to happen. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, what, what I can say, at least my understanding, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know if they're called raids in Final Fantasy, mm -hmm. but at least my understanding is that the downtime between boss kills in Final Fantasy is much lower mm -hmm. than in, in World of Warcraft. You have to deal with just less ads and trash and less like res stuff, and there's yeah. just less nonsense that you have to deal with. So, Which I think is why a lot of people are attracted to Final Fantasy. Mm -hmm. So 14 has dungeons which are just... They're very hyper-linear. That's what I will say about the dungeons in 14. There were a couple in Realm Reborn, the first of the expansions, where they've reworked them over the years. Initially, you could get a little bit lost. Now, the only way to get lost is to stop pressing W. Um, like, it's... Wow. Yeah, that that's one thing I will say about 14. They've streamlined the dungeons a little bit too much. Like, they're fun, like, set pieces and... Like, casual experiences. Hyper, hyper casual. Um, and right. still, you somehow... You have tanks that don't read the, the aggro list. And then, yeah, I... Yeah, let, let's blame it on the tanks. Tanks are healers. It's not. It's not my problem. I as play. Yes, I play healer half the time. Um, Fair enough. But uh, then you have trials, which are your eight man. I I guess they would be the equivalent of raids. Um, yeah, that that's what we have in uh, ESO. But I think it's like a twelve man. Mm -hmm. So you have trials. Yeah. So you just basically you have the boss, and then the boss will have different stages. There's no, maybe they'll have like ads on certain bits, but they'll be very mechanically tied. It's not just ads for right. the sake of ads. Um, and then you have the 
savage and extreme versions of those, which I guess would be sort of like your mythic equivalent. Um, and then your you have your casual raids, which are the alliance raids, which are the like twenty four man, um, which is basically split up into three groups of eight. And then usually the mechanics are like one group go here, one group go here, one group go here, and then yeah. different sets like the um, the near raids in Shadowbringers, for example. Like there'll be a mechanic where uh, each of the tanks will be targeted by like a big death laser. If you point it at the other party, I hate you. Um, because if you do that, the party dies. Uh, basically, you have to like make sure the tanks are just facing away from the other parties, and you know, simple things like that. Um, from what I oh, and then there's the ultimates, which are like your pinnacle high tier content, right? Like you, you have to be going in with this. Yeah, you're you not know, like you're not pugging ultimates except for like the like. First no, ultimate. like you, ev- everybody has a particular thing assigned yeah. to them with particular gear assigned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they have certain skills on their hot bars or whatever. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So you play all that under Linux as well, like fourteen doesn't have energy; it just runs just fine. Well, now, to be fair, um, for a long time the main launcher didn't work. I think it works now, mm-hmm. but no one plays with the main launcher because. Do you just launch it through Steam, I guess, or? Uh, so I, okay. Let me explain to you the no, nightmare. No, I, I, and I'm genuinely no, curious. No, no, no. I need to no, you know, like, no, no. I I need to explain to you the nonsense that is fourteen. So, uh-huh. okay. The Steam account and the Windows account right. are not the same thing. So if you buy the game on Steam, you did not buy the game on Windows. So if you want to use the Windows launcher, you need to buy the Windows version of the game. I think you can, like, migrate them over now. But, like, it's really stupid. So I have the... Why? Because Square Enix doesn't like your money. Also, if you buy the console version, that account is not the same account. That I kind of understand, though. Or is, or is there cross-play? There's cross-play, yes. Okay, then that doesn't make any sense. It's, yeah, it, Square Enix doesn't like then it's not, it's, it's not real cross-play to me. If I can't, like, then buy it on Windows and then log into my account that I was playing on console. They don't like your money. Then... And then just trying to work out how to buy the game is kind of confusing. Just in and of itself. That, that I have heard, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun um but you know what the uh, okay one of the main reasons a lot of people don't use the main launcher as well is there is this problem in the game called animation lock also known as if you don't want to like be coping about it called input delay um there are certain abilities in the game that have a built-in animation lock that is ping independent so basically certain things will just feel delayed when they shouldn't be. And if you're playing, like, I play on the American servers because the Australian servers are dead. And, yeah, I don't play on the Australian servers. Um, I don't want to queue for a dungeon for 30 minutes as a DPS. It's not going to happen. Right. Um, so, yeah, this is built-in input delay. Now, luckily, Square Enix doesn't like it, but there are, there are plugins that fix the input delay. Uh, that will queue things up and send them to the server like they should be sent, uh, which you guys can find if you want to do a 
very little bit of searching. Um, but most people will not talk about... Like, it, the whole thing with plugins, unlike WoW, from my understanding, is nobody talks about plugins. It, it's because of the whole console crossplay thing. Like, console's not going to be able to run plugins, but... Everyone on PC sort of acknowledges that everybody else is running plugins. Um, yeah. I've seen UIs for, like, high-tier WoW Raiders. I'm like, what What are you guys even What are you guys even playing here? Yeah, typically it's, like, Louis Extended or, or some, yeah. some other frames. Yeah. Um, so do those plugins work under Linux as yeah. well? Or... Yep. All fine. Huh. Are, so, wow. Well, are they just like Lua plugins or something? Like, um, I'm not actually sure what they're written in. Let Let me have a look. Uh, let's go. Uh, because, like, for Elder Scrolls Online, you could use Minion. I hate Minion. Absolutely, with a dying passion, hate Minion. Mm -hmm. Technically, runs under Linux, so you could do that for Elder Scrolls Online. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think most people use the Curse Forge one for World of Warcraft. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, with, with, with those two games, it's like, if you play on PC, which of course with World of Warcraft, that's, that is what you play on, but mm -hmm. Elder Scrolls Online has console as well, but it's like you, you play with add-ons. Yeah. Like if you, if you want to be relevant when you're doing raids, you play with add-ons or with like with trials because there's like call outs on mechanics and that mm -hmm. sort of stuff. Um, they've been gradually adding that to the game, but, um. Like as just a native feature, so the them console plebs can enjoy it too. But yeah, it's it, it is nice. Like when I hear about Final Fantasy, it's there isn't that sort of culture. And as far as I'm aware, even like the use of DPS parsing and like DPS is also is is yeah. I was like I was gonna say frowned upon, but damn, like yeah, no, Vanable is great. If you bring it up, like, you know, if you're doing it in, like, a Discord or whatever, like, that's... Right, with all your if, friends or whatever. If you mention it, like, in the chat in-game, like, that's bannable offense. Um, right. See, there is this... I was just having a look. It's uh, I've seen some plugins written in C-sharp, some in C++. Um, okay. But I... So the main thing people use is a... A system called Dalamud, which provides like APIs and stuff. I haven't looked into my, uh, into it myself, so I I'm not really entirely sure. It it doesn't seem to be there. Seems to be bindings for a couple of different languages, from what I can tell, though. Um, but I think that one of the problems that fourteen has is kind of the the opposite problems, like where a lot of people are. How what's what's a good way to put it? So, un as opposed to being, like, openly toxic, like, just t telling you you're terrible, it's more like a lot of... How would you say it? Um, that's what I'm trying to think of. Like, uh, it's like... Well, you're being nice, but you don't actually mean it. What's, what am I trying to... Oh, like passive-aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you pass basically, a lot of passive-aggressive stuff. And right. there's a lot of people that will, like, sort of do things, kind of, like, skirt the rules. Like, in, in PvP, for example, in uh, there's a mode called Crystalline Conflict, which is a poorly designed PvP mode, but it's what Square Enix is really obsessed with developing right now. I wish they would just do Rival Wings. Um, 
So Crystal Conflict is basically, you know, in uh, like Team Fortress 2, there's like a one of the modes where you can like push a cart to like the enemy's base. Yeah, yeah. It's basically that, but with a crystal. Um, okay. In this mode, there isn't like regular text chat. The text chat is set commands. Now, oftentimes you'll have oh. people that are like spamming specific commands, or they'll start like they'll start spamming good game when there's like halfway through the like the match. Or oh, something. so it's just like general like BM stuff. Yeah, it's just like it's, bad, bad manners. Yeah, it's not like you know you're not getting get called racial slurs but it's it's not like the game isn't toxic in its own ways and look yeah. it might be an improvement over what you used to um but it's it's a weird game like one of the things that that's really weird to me especially coming from a runescape background is nobody talks in public chat really like most of the chats are in like link shells which are basically like 14's group chats or they're in guild chats which is like a free company chat in 14 basically nobody talks in uh like public chat right it's the problem with new world is there's a global chat so no matter where you are on the server no matter the territory Mm -hmm. you have to read what people are saying (laughs) because people also fail to use the proper recruitment channels (laughs) So you just get all the noise. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, other schools like they have zone specific chats, but yep. oh man, the global chat in New World is awful. <laughs> I think uh, Runescape. I think... Isn't it wild though? Mm? Like all this runs on Linux. Yeah, through like stuff like Proton. It's just we've come so far since. Like I remember, like when Steam for Linux was announced. And that was, like, revolutionary. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, man, this is it. Like, a year of Linux on the desktop. Here we go. You know, we're going to get all the native ports. I mean, that didn't happen. Um, then Steam you know, machines happened. They were a part of our history, yes. I've... Fortunately, the Steam Deck has seen much better success. I've heard some people make fairly good arguments for why the Steam machines whilst being a failure, weren't a bad thing, per se. It's sort of like it gave Valve the push they needed to actually, you know, go down that wine direction, which I guess is like an... It, 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 it's, it's, it's copium. It, that's pretty much what it is. It's trying to find an excuse to why... No, it, 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 it is copium. Terrible. It's a path of least resistance. Yeah. Yeah. Like, But the fact that I can, like just fire up Elder Scrolls Online and it works. I could yeah. fire up World of Warcraft. You could fire fire up Final Fantasy. Like, that blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know about you, but I, I hate Windows. And it's kind of funny because, you know, huh, then why, why, Josh, are you mimicking practically the Windows 10 user interface, it seems, with bu- this budgie <laughs> thing? Um, but, like, Windows as an operating system, I will only use as a last resort. And basically if it's like after months of pressure from the wife to play one particular game that I know doesn't work on Proton, then I'll be like, fine, I'll install it so we can play it for a little bit. And then it's going to get nuked immediately off my system. So I don't even have to worry about this thing called Windows. The the wildest thing to me is like a lot of anti-cheat games just work. You know, like, Elden Ring and Armored Core, they both have EAC. 
And yep. they just, like, the multiplayer just works. Like, there's no additional yep. tinkering around. It just works. Now, there is the whole... Battle-wise stuff works. Yeah, I, I don't know if you saw what EA's been doing in that regard, though, because they've got their own anti-cheat system now. I EA really hope AC. that doesn't... I really hope that doesn't come to Apex. Yeah, that... I that That is a big... Well, it's not just... It's not just Apex. That's the thing. It's not just Apex that... EA owns because they could decide they want to bring in DeForza. They want to bring it into like, they've got a bunch. There are a lot of IPs under EA. Yeah, they're already doing it on Battlefield. Sports so. games that people really like. Well, it, if if they're gonna do it in FIFA, it's gonna probably happen to all the sports games. That seems pretty obvious yeah. to me. FIFA there is their main one because that's the like the big one. They they really do not want people cheating in their biggest money maker. But yeah. if if it goes well for that. Which it didn't, because <laughs> there were so many people on the Windows side complaining when they first added it. Like, this does not work. Like, just get rid of it. Good. I hope it continues to just work absolutely miserably. So these, all these developers are like, okay, kernel-level anti-cheat, really bad idea. And then Valorant, maybe they could swap away from it to something like EAC or BattleEye, and then we could get it working properly under Linux. You know, I How's really... Sound? Sounds great to me. I kind of wish that we just stopped calling it kernel of anti-cheat and just call it what it is which is a rootkit because it's well it's 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 malware it's malware yeah <laughs> like that's the way i look at it i only just sort of tolerate battle i and eac because that's just what people like it, it, we decided at some point as an industry that's what we're going to be doing this anti-cheat stuff instead of trying to do it with strictly server side um but i i yeah I'm just happy that it works, EAC and BattleEye, because, for example, like, Ark Survival Evolved, so a story about Ark Survival Evolved, mm -hmm. uh, back in the early Steam days, mm -hmm. uh, they used a really old Ubuntu runtime. I don't know if they still do, because I, I use it through Flatpak. Um, now, this, this Steam runtime, which I believe was using 12.04, Mm -hmm. uh was already quite old when you when they started even shipping it uh and ike had the brilliant idea in the source land of doing this thing called lsi or linux steam integration okay so he wrote a he wrote a system called libintercept so when certain api calls or certain libraries were requested it would redirect it from the runtime to our system libraries so what we were able to do is actually see proper uplift in terms of performance in some games by optimizing some of these libraries mm -hmm. with like uh, PGO or, or profile guided optimization or uh, LTO or so link time optimization, that sort of stuff for unroll loops and all sorts of random uh, GCC flags uh, to try to improve performance in some of these libraries. And it also really improved the... Uh, just the Steam game compatibility. Something else we did, which is a little interesting, was with some games like Ark Survival Evolved, if textures, for example, water, would fail to load, we would load them from a different location. So, for example, uh, with Ark, when you were playing on some of the maps like Island, the water textures would fail to load. So we would load them from a completely different DLC you would have to install it, but like that's the effort we went through to get it working. Um, because up until 
the arc uh, up until wildcard uh just dropped support for for the native linux version and just switched to using proton mm-hmm. it was like constantly broken every single dlc had some new magical awful error so in a way like them giving up on on a native port was a real blessing in disguise because i have like 3000 hours in arc survival vault um yeah and um uh-huh. and, and not having to boot up into windows anymore to to play that was mm-hmm. was really nice because the the dlc's all the workshop items and mods worked as well which was really surprising so but I'm really yeah, happy. Yeah, so that's that we... a little... Oh, go on. We don't have to do that stuff anymore, which no, is quite nice. I, I'm happy this whole, like, no tucks, no bucks things is kind of, like, faded. I, I get it. Like, it made sense. Like, people thought they could actually push for, like, actual native ports that were actually going to be supported. Yeah. But I'm, I'm perfectly happy with the Proton direction we've gone. In the end... Like, there are games that I've, I've played native. Like, Hollow Knight has a perfectly fine native port. But then I've played Black Mesa, which is a little rough, we'll say. Right. It's not terrible, but it's a bit rough. Um, but then there are other games where the developers just don't care at all. And it's like, why... They'll do the bare minimum. It's an export option for them. Well, in some ways, it's not even just an export. They just stop exporting at some point. And just... Yeah, that's true. Years out of date. It's like... Yeah, uh, I've, I've, I've seen that as well. I think the... I, I've had the best luck when games have been developed with either Godot or mm-hmm. Unity. <laughs> Which is a, a completely other bag. Good job, <laughs> Unity. And... <laughs> shooting yourself in the foot there but um so for for example like i i've had really good experience with halls of torment which is a good old game is, i believe yep. or or with uh 20 minutes 20 minutes till dawn which is a unity game uh so so i've i've had some good experience with that what, what i find a little weird is even some of the companies that really do put a lot of effort into native ports mm-hmm. like for example uh paradox with uh city skylines or with um with hearts of iron 4 uh sometimes those native games just don't run as well as the proton versions or they'll end up being like more susceptible to crashes mm-hmm. um so sometimes i just kind of have to fall back to the proton variants even if there is a native version mm-hmm. and when, when that's happened enough times i just don't care anymore yeah it's like if i could install it and it works like, I don't care if it's native anymore. I just want to play a game. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to spend hours debugging something or, like, going and fetching some random library because it assumes it's on my local system. Like, no, just just give me the damn game I paid for. Yeah. Yeah, no, no I, I completely agree. Like... And for most things, it is just like... It's just like that with you running Proton now. Like, it's so rare at this point. I... I'm struggling to think of the last time I played a game where it had issues. I think... I want to say it was It Takes Two. And that's only because the EA launch was playing up. Right. Besides... For me, it was Diablo 4. <laughs> I, I gave up and I was like, okay, 
I I know like this game ain't doing so hot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's gonna be dead pretty quick, anyways. Mm-hmm. So like I'll just temporarily install Windows. I'll give it just the bare minimum disk space it needs. I'll have like Diablo Four on a separate partition, mm-hmm. so I could also use it on like the Linux side when I want to. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> install uh, installed and played it for a bit, but like on the Linux side. I think it was primarily because of XCSS, actually. So thanks, Intel. Um, <laughs> but I think it's primarily because they were trying to use XCSS and it was failing to load. It would just crash everything. But yeah, it's it's all right. It, it's one it's one title, and yeah, I'm not even really terribly surprised. But if I was to fire up my Steam, which I think I will do, real you could just wait till season eight um, when it comes out of beta. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When it actually has, you know, proper endgame content and then you don't have to play the same thing over and over and over again. Um, it's kind of funny. I don't actually have a lot of games installed at this point. But if I look at my favorites, it's like Colony Survival, uh, Elite Dangerous. So, you know, I have my I have my HOTAS over here. So I stopped playing when Odyssey came out because uh, performance in Odyssey was garbage fire. But before that, with Horizons, it was beautiful and it worked just flawlessly. Uh, Eve Online, I've played some. Factorio, I think, is actually... I don't remember if it's a native game. I, I think it's a native game, and it's one that just just works yeah. TM. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, Civ, Civ games. Oh, Division 2. Division 2 is one that I play that's a Proton game that just works flawlessly as well. Like, I, I wouldn't... If you were to tell me it was running through a compatibility layer instead of it being a native game i would actually call you a liar so actually my favorite yeah. in that regard is that i don't know if you saw it there was some recent stuff about um cyberpunk running better under linux with an amd gp or something like that i'm not even surprised i think it, it's something to do with the difference with how windows and linux handle caching or something i don't remember the exact details right um and for whatever reason on an amd gpu the test was getting like 30 percent better performance on the linux side like maybe it's better at like shader loading and shader compilation yeah like i'll see if i can find around it. that or something um, cyberpunk 2077 runs better on i think liam did a article on it uh it would. It, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. He does a. He does an article on. Probably. Well, I found one from Tom's Hardware. Basically everything. Uh. So, user tested it on Nabara, which is cool. They tested on Nabara. Uh, it's mind game. Blah blah blah. What is the reason? Whatever the case. Okay. Thank you, Tom's Hardware, for not giving me any explanation. <laughs> uh, I. <sighs> I'm sh- yeah, it's it's somewhere around here. I don't. Someone will tell me in the comment section. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, please please do because I I'm looking at gaming on Linux as well. I'm not, I've not seen it. Maybe yeah, may- I I thought Liam, maybe Liam commented about it on Mastodon or something. Um, maybe yeah. I need to play Cyberpunk at some point. I I hear it's gotten a lot better. I I've I have heard the same thing as well. Mm-hmm. And then there's a DLC so. coming out soon as well, which apparently people are yeah. Was it for. the Phantom Liberty or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 
I don't know. Maybe we'll get, maybe we'll get this at some point. <laughs> I got so many other games to play. I still want to catch up on the Yakuza games. So, like, that's going to take a bit of time. Yeah, I mean, when I'm not when I'm not busy with like either work or or budgie stuff, I think it's typically like New World or ESO or something like that. <laughs> yeah, MMO grind will catch. Um, yeah, the 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 problem with uh with games like Cyberpunk is like I have to stop at a very particular part in like these sort of games in terms of story, right. so I even remember what happened because yeah. it might be like three months from now when I like actually return to the game. Right, right. Um, unless sense. I like actually make an effort on like a daily basis or you know a regular basis at the very least to to go back and play these games. Mm -hmm. um, so no. I don't I don't remember like anything from from Cyberpunk, no, which I, I guess is great because. I bought the game and I get to experience it all over again. So, <laughs> well, on that note, we should probably be ending this off at some point. Just or just past the two-hour mark a little could. bit ago, and I want to go to sleep at some point, so that'll be nice. <laughs> yeah, what time is it there? It is two eighteen. Oh my god! Not that, not that late. This is my normal time for podcasts right now. Well, well, well. Thank you for like one having me on and, and two also just having it at a time that's sane for both of us when i was on the fedora podcast it started at midnight my time so i've been in your shoes uh, but it also wasn't a two-hour podcast mm -hmm. so last yeah. week i had um the executive director of the godot foundation on so it was very similar time for that one as well because he's in somewhere in europe i don't remember right <laughs> um Fair anyway enough. Uh, I guess direct people to budgie stuff, your stuff, or if you want to send them to, give them links. I, I guess. I mean, I I could. I guess that's why I can't. Or like we, I know we talked a lot about gaming, but I suppose like there's this budgie thing. <laughs> uh, if you want to use it, obviously recognize. Yeah, it's only with X11. We're, we're getting there with Wayland. Go up, go on over to buddies.budgie.org. If you hit the big get budgie buttons, you can't miss them. Uh, you could choose what flavor you want. They're all going to be flagged as outdated at the moment because we literally just released. Ah, that makes sense. Uh, Budgie 10.8.1, which mm -hmm. is a bug fix release on top of 10.8. Uh, but if you use like Arch, it's available there. Uh, if you use Fedora with Fedora 39, it'll have the latest. And in fact, um, Neil, unsurprisingly, mm -hmm. uh, helped with with merging in my my updates for for budgie desktop for fedora so if you're on fedora 38 or even 37 um it'll be available there too um so yeah you could do that uh we have a mastodon in fact that's the only place we communicate in terms of like social networking because um not a fan of elon musk uh so buddies budgie at floss.social so and i run my own instance if for some weird reason you want to follow me uh, it's me at joshwastrobel.social. So, yeah. Awesome. That's it. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you want to mention, or is that, you reckon that's it? That's it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cool. As I, some... I, I'm a simple man. <laughs> well, there's also your website as well for any other things you didn't explicitly Yeah, mention. you don't need to go there. <laughs> yeah, it's updated. Yeah, ignore the fact that my website exists. We'll all be much happier for it. Yeah. Well, I, my website's even more out of date. Um, 
anyway, I, I just use it as a, a link tree, basically, and, like, redirects to other things. Like, half, I've got, like, Brody Robinson at XYZ slash YouTube slash Twitch slash other things that just go to my different services. Right. Anyway, yeah. uh, it, that's pretty much all I use it for. Um, anyway, main channel is Brody Robinson. I do Linux videos there six-ish days a week. I don't know what's going to be out when this comes out because we're, I don't know, this will be out in, like, a week or so. Uh, but there'll be Linux videos there, probably. And the gaming channel is Brody on Games. I stream on YouTube and Twitch. Right now, I'm probably playing through Armored Core 6 still. And I reckon I'll be playing Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance, I think. Unless I finish that already. In which case, I don't know, maybe I'm playing Birth by Sleep or some weeb game. I don't know. I might be playing Neptunia Sisters versus Sisters. Check it out. See what's over there. Uh, if you're listening to the audio version of this, you can find the video version on YouTube at Tech Over T. If you're watching the video, you can find the audio on pretty much any podcast platform. Uh, not Google Podcasts because that's being deprecated soon, apparently. I didn't know this. Uh, but there's an RSS feed and other things. Go to your favorite podcast platform. Search for it. You'll find it. And uh, yeah, give you the final word. What do you want to say? Yep. Uh, thanks for having me on. I would also quickly like to mention we are on uh, Buddy, Buddy's Budgies on T, uh, TIL vids now, which ah. is a PeerTube instance. So we've uploaded our back catalog of content, which is basically nothing, but you know, it's there. And in fact, that's the only place we are going to be uploading to going forward because you respect uh, your own privacy and I respect your privacy too. So feel free to head on over there. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been a great chat. And I look forward to showing off Budgie 11 at some point. (laughs) EFL? Cute? Ice? Some new invention? Who will know? (laughs) So maybe keep an eye on the blog uh, for that. We have RSS feeds as well. Awesome. Well, I'll catch you guys later.